guys and welcome to today's episode of The Playful Psychologist. This is actually the last episode for the season. I'm going to take a couple weeks off and then come back to you with some brand new content. I've got some really cool people lined up um, next season to have some more chats um, and stuff like that. So I'm really, really excited about that. But today I wanted to chat to you guys about milestones and developmental milestones. And the reason I wanted to chat to you about this is because I have released a new product, which are the social and emotional milestone cards. But I'm really, really, um, you know, I was a bit cautious in creating these because I don't want them to become something that parents obsess over. So today I'm hoping this episode kind of clarifies to you kind of what to look out for, when to track milestones, when to just, you know, look look out for them casually and that sort of thing. At the end of this episode, you will also be given a sneaky discount code for those cards and I'll pop the link to purchase them in the episode description. So if we first, like obviously the first thing we need to chat about is what are milestones. So developmental milestones are behaviors or physical skills that we see in infants and children as they grow and develop. Um, Some include rolling over, crawling, walking, smiling, eye contact, that sort of thing. They're all considered milestones and they're pretty different for each age range. Developmental milestones are important because they, you know, offer clues about our child's development and their health. And reaching milestones at typical ages shows, you know, shows us that a child is developing as we expect them to. And children, like I said before, children reach milestones in a bunch of different ways. Um, You know, in the ways that they play, they learn, they speak, they move, they act, all that sort of stuff. And you really see children reach milestones every day. Um, And though, you know, most children develop at their own pace, most children children do reach milestones um, at roughly the same age. So a common question that I get asked is, are milestones important? And obviously the simple answer to that question is, yes, they're pretty important. Um, You know, they exist for a reason. However, you do have to address them with caution because every child does develop at their own pace and you know reaching milestones at the typical age yes it shows that a child is developing as expected Um, you know reaching milestones a little bit earlier might suggest that they're a little advanced in that area but not reaching milestones or reaching them much later on although they that can be an early indication that your child may have some sort of you know concern in some area it's not the be all and end all of course if you know your child's not meeting milestones in a range of areas and and they're significantly delayed Um, in that situation we do know that early intervention is always a great predictor of later success and in in that case yes it would be great to maybe be on top of that and you know get a second opinion however a slight delay in one or two areas does absolutely not mean that there is something wrong with your child for a good example is my little one didn't roll on time But a month or so later, I literally can't keep him still. If I was obsessing over him reaching that milestone every day, I would have panicked and it would have really impacted on my interactions with him and how how we play and that sort of thing. Um, So I guess that leads to another question that I get, which is, should you track milestones? So for me personally, the short answer is no, unless you have been asked to by a pediatrician or a healthcare professional. So tracking milestones with a chart should probably only be done, like I said if someone suggested you do it otherwise it's it's a much better idea to be mindful of what the milestones are and just 
you know, refer back to them every now and then and make sure that you're on the right track, not obsess over what they are and compare your child to other children and that sort of thing. And that's kind of why I created these cards. I created them so parents had a kind of a reference point and had some information and tips and strategies that they can refer to, but not something that they have to tick off like a checklist. I think you know, milestone tracking can easily turn into something that we obsess over. And like I said before, it can really overtake the playtime and your interactions with your child. And then play doesn't become something that's actually enjoyable for you or your child. And I guarantee you, one of the best things that you can actually do to help your child reach your milestones is to just simply play with them. Just sit on the floor, you know, let them look at you, move around cars, talk to them. All those things are going to help them reach social milestones, emotional milestones, movement-based milestones and speech milestones. So just play with your child. Um, An example I actually give on why it's not a good idea to track milestones um, is walking. So the, the normal age range for walking is nine to 15 months. And that is a huge, huge, huge range. So if your child is not walking by 10 months, should you be worried? No. If your child's not walking by 14 months, should you be worried? No. It's when your child is significantly delayed in that area. So for example, if your child's, you know, two years old and, and they're not showing any signs that they're about to start walking, Uh, and there's no medical reason for that that you're currently aware of, then that's probably when you should just seek a second opinion just to make sure that everything's okay. Again, it's never something that you need to panic about until a health professional talks to you about what they believe might be going on um, and then they can help you put in place an action plan. I think it's also really important to note that uh, developmental progress is not always a straight line. So children often develop a new skill, lose it for a little bit, and then it comes back a little bit later. That's often something you see with movement um, milestones and speech milestones. So you may notice that your child will say a word for a few weeks and then they won't say it at all. Um, and then it comes back a couple of you know weeks or a month later. So you might see changes in development um, you know, around important life events like the birth of a new sibling. You might see developmental changes. Um, you know, if you move house, you might see developmental changes or a little bit of a regression, but that doesn't necessarily, again, mean that something's wrong. Um, it's just a really good idea to keep a track of where your child is at and be mindful of where they're at, but absolutely there is no need to physically track milestones with a checklist and unless you've been asked to by a health professional so don't obsess over them um, and don't don't definitely don't you know sit there with those cards that I've just created and try and tick them off as you go on that note actually something that I did want to chat about is the difference between developmental screening and developmental monitoring so I just want to reiterate that they're two different things developmental screening is a formal process that's typically done by a health professional whereas developmental monitoring is kind of what I'm suggesting that parents should do. It's more informal. It just involves parents or caregivers just keeping an eye out for milestones. Um, Whereas like screening, like I said, it's not only done by a health professional, but there's a specific checklist that your health professional will tick off. So if you have children, you may notice that, um, you know, at the three, six and nine month checkups, your pediatrician or your midwife may go through some milestones with you and just check that your your child is is reaching those. Um, And then if they aren't or the pediatrician has some concerns, that's when a more formal screening process um, may come into play. So I really hope that does clarify um, 
you know the importance of milestones yes they do have a place but also the the importance of not obsessing over milestones on that note though I do want to chat about because this is you know obviously in my line of work people are coming to me for assessments when their children aren't meeting milestones so I do want to have a brief chat about what you could do if your child is not hitting their developmental milestones so when a child is you know, developmentally delayed, and I'm saying that with quotations, they are more than a little bit behind in their skills. So the term developmental delay suggests a substantial lag in their skill set in one or more areas. Um, And there are five main areas where children can experience delays. Um, Some children experience delays in more than one of these areas, while others may just experience delay in one of these areas. So these areas are Cognitive skills, so that's the ability to think, learn and solve problems. Social and emotional skills, which is the ability to relate to other people, express emotions, regulate emotions and recognize emotions in others. Speech and language skills, which is the ability to use and understand both receptive and expressive language. So I'll just explain that a little bit more for those that don't know the difference. Receptive language kind of refers to our ability to understand words, sentences and the core meaning of what people are saying to us. So in other words, it describes the comprehension of language. Whereas expressive language refers to how a person communicates their wants and needs to other people. It involves both verbal and nonverbal communication skills and how an individual kind of uses their language skills to communicate with others. Uh, The next area of development is motor skills. So again, there are two main types of motor skills here that we look at when we're looking at developmental issues. So fine motor skills, which refers to our ability to use small muscles, so specifically in the hands. So if you think about tasks that require those fine motor skills, you're looking at feeding yourself, tying shoelaces, handwriting, that sort of thing. Uh, Whereas gross motor skills refer to the ability to use larger muscle groups in the body to engage in activities like riding a bike, running, jumping, climbing, or, you know, walking even. So yeah, that's the motor skills area. And then the fifth category is daily living activities. So this is our ability to manage everyday tasks. For children, this might include basic self-care tasks, nothing too fancy, um, like eating, so feeding ourselves, dressing ourselves, washing ourselves, those sorts of things. Now, like I mentioned before, children do not develop on a strict timeline. A minor delay in one of these areas is still considered to be typically normal. However, if a child is continually behind in these skills and aren't showing you know, signs of almost reaching those skills or working towards them or any type of improvement, they, that's when we might be a little bit more concerned and they may and I say that boldly, may meet criteria for some form of developmental delay. But you really need to seek healthcare advice for that. It's not something that you diagnose for yourself and it's please don't Google it either. So here's an example. An infant child who hasn't rolled over onto their stomach may be slightly behind on this specific skill. But if that infant cannot hold their head up, uh, cannot roll over, isn't engaging in us, isn't giving us eye contact... And they're of an age where they, you know, typically children are reaching those skills already. Maybe that's an indication that a second opinion is a good idea. And that's when I would recommend seeing an OT, a speech therapist, a psychologist, even your GP, just to get a bit of an understanding of what might be going on with your child. Again, just because they're not doing those things, it doesn't necessarily mean they have a diagnosis of any sort. It's just maybe a good idea to check that everything's still on track and maybe, you know, 
best case scenario, people can just, you know, those health professionals can just give you a bit of an understanding of some tips and tricks and strategies that you can do to help those milestones shuffle along a little bit better. So again, just because you might have some concerns and your child isn't meeting milestones, get that second opinion. It doesn't mean that there's developmental delay, but if there is developmental delay, then you're doing the right thing by getting that second opinion. So that's where I think it's really important. Because, you know, coming to the realization that your child might need some form of intervention obviously is not easy for parents. Um, And I think, unfortunately, there's still a bit of stigma around needing or meeting with health professionals such as psych, speeches and OTs. But I think it's really it's really sad, actually, because it's actually the opposite, in my opinion, like if you're taking time out of your day to work with your child and improve your child's well-being in any capacity that to me makes you a super parent so if you are worried about any sort of issue get a second opinion it's not going to hurt at the best best case scenario they you know tell you that everything's fine and you are having a little bit of an overreaction worst case scenario you've gotten in there early and you given your child an opportunity to engage in some early intervention and giving them the best chance to catch up to their peers. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to link a basic milestone checklist um, that covers kind of like all the milestones um, from zero to age five. I kind of tossed and turned whether to include this checklist um, in the podcast notes, but I do want to pop it in there, not necessarily for parents, but more for like therapists to have a bit of an idea, because I think it can be really tricky as a therapist um, to understand what milestones, you know, younger children can should be meeting if they don't have children themselves. I know that was something that I definitely before having a baby had to educate myself on because unfortunately it wasn't something that I was explicitly taught at university. So that checklist is there more so for health professionals and teachers, not necessarily for parents. The parents can look up the social emotional milestone cards, which do give you little tips and tricks and that sort of thing. Because I'm a big believer at not presenting a problem without also presenting a solution. So that's why I wanted these cards to have strategies, to have links for further reading, to have ideas for parents to engage in with their kids. Um, Also, for everyone that's listening to this podcast, if you follow that link and you use the discount code podcast um, at checkout, you'll get 10% off those milestone cards. So a nice little discount for you guys. So that's all I wanted to chat with you guys today um, on the milestone topic. I didn't want to go on too long because like I said, it's not something that I believe people should obsess over. But if you do have any questions, please just email me or DM me on Instagram at the playful psychologist. Like I said, this is the last episode in this um, season. So thank you all so much. I've learned a lot um, throughout this process and I really hope you guys have learned something too. And I'm going to be back with 10 episodes in the next season um, with some really cool special guests so please stay tuned for that have a great week and i'll see you guys later